You're listening to InfoTrack. To learn more about our guests or listen to past shows, visit InfoTrack online at InfoTrackRadio.com. Once again, here's Chris Whitting. Our guest is Scott Roberts, Ph.D. from the University of Michigan School of Public Health and the University of Michigan Institute for Healthcare Policy and Innovation, here to discuss a recent survey on Alzheimer's screening. Professor, 80% of older adults see the benefit of early warning cognitive tests. Why do you think there's such a strong belief in the importance of these tests among older adults? I think it's because of a few factors. I think, one, they recognize that we do have good, reliable ways to test older adults' memory and thinking skills. And so I think there's also just maybe a more general belief that a lot of older adults are very familiar with the concept of screening for common conditions across a range of diseases. So I think that might also play into it. So I think there's a combination of factors that account for this belief in the benefits of screening. These screenings are available on an annual basis, yet 59% reported never having such a screening. Why do you think that is? Yeah, I think, you know, a lot of times older adults might be reluctant to bring up concerns about their memory. I think a lot of people do fear the potential of Alzheimer's or another type of dementia. So it's perhaps preferable to want to kind of keep that under wraps because the potential fear or stigma involved. I think sometimes physicians, too, may attribute things to normal aging that maybe really are more about an older adult's cognitive decline. So there may be a reluctance on the provider end as well, because even though there are things we can do to treat and reduce risk of dementia, it's not like other types of medical conditions where we have kind of a known cure or highly proven means of prevention. So I think physicians sometimes are reluctant to go down the road of lengthy assessment of conditions unless they feel confident that they have a lot of options to offer in the case of a positive screen. Yeah, along those lines, specialists are currently ordering these blood tests for Alzheimer's biomarkers. Do you foresee these tests becoming more mainstream in the future? I do. I think ultimately blood biomarker tests may become a common way to screen for Alzheimer's and other dementias. I think a lot has to happen before that's the case. I think right now it's exciting time in Alzheimer's treatment because we do have some new medications that have recently been approved by FDA for treatment. However, those medications are highly expensive. They're very difficult to administer. They involve, for example, need to go to an infusion center and be monitored by MRI imaging. But I think over time, what we'll see, hopefully, is that some of these treatment approaches become more accessible, both in terms of cost and access. And so I think that will then increase the likelihood that both patients and providers will want to engage in screening. Our guest is Scott Roberts from the University of Michigan School of Public Health, and we're talking about a recent survey on Alzheimer's screening. Half of Americans with dementia do not receive a formal diagnosis. Is there any significance to that? Is a formal diagnosis even necessary? Perhaps it's not. Yeah, I think it is preferable because dementia is just a broad umbrella term 
for you know progressive decline in one's cognition over time. But there's a lot of different underlying causes of dementia. Alzheimer's happens to be the most common type of dementia, but you may have heard of other conditions like vascular dementia or Lewy body disease. And so depending on the type of dementia, that diagnosis can really dictate the preferred approach in terms of treatments. You know, what medications might be considered, what education and support to provide the caregiver and family. A more specific dementia diagnosis can play into those kinds of downstream decisions. So I think it's really ideal to try to have a very specific diagnosis, not just a general dementia diagnosis, but trying to figure out what's the type of dementia we're talking about. It's challenging because most general practitioners, primary care docs, are not necessarily trained. These are very kind of subtle distinctions and often do require pretty intensive and sometimes high-tech assessment to really be able to make a differential diagnosis. So it's no surprise that a lot of folks do not have a specific diagnosis and it can be a challenge to find one. How key is early diagnosis of cognitive problems? Does that really have a factor on the outcome? Yeah, I think it can be beneficial in a variety of ways. I've kind of talked a lot already about, you know, there are certain treatments that can be brought to bear that might help address the cognitive symptoms that can occur. But perhaps even more important, it's really just engaging the person with dementia and their family in planning for the future and really educating themselves, really plugging into your different support systems. The National Alzheimer's Association you may have heard of is a great advocacy group that's got chapters in every state. And so they've got a host of resources for patients and families, ranging from support groups to education programs. I think a lot of times folks are trying to think about, you know, planning for their future in terms of their future care but also in terms of maybe other big life decisions around, you know, how do they want to live the coming years and how do they want to think about financial planning? Do they want to think about long-term care insurance, these kinds of broader financial and advanced planning decisions that people have to make? Sometimes an early diagnosis can be helpful in forming those life decisions. Professor, there's a noted disparity in the number of Hispanic older adults getting cognitive screening compared to non-Hispanic, white, and black respondents. What factors might be contributing to this discrepancy? Yeah, I think a combination of things might be at work here. We don't know for sure based solely on our data because it was just a pretty brief survey, but the broader literature suggests that, for example, there might be challenges in terms of access to care for Hispanic older adults, and for that matter, racial minority groups in general, there might be disparities in terms of access to specialty care, access to strong health insurance coverage for a variety of conditions. And it also might be, there might be some cultural issues at play given, you know, maybe concerns I mentioned earlier about kind of fear and stigma. Some of that may be at work and just kind of awareness of the need to advocate as a patient for these kinds of tests. So there's kind of a variety of things at work here that might explain some of these differences. Yeah, there was also, I noted, a gender difference in the distress levels related to the cognitive screening results. Is that just because, you know, men tend to do sort of the tough guy act or what's behind that? Do you have any idea? 
Yeah, that could be the case. Another thing to think about is that we know that usually you don't think of Alzheimer's as a women's health issue, but women are at higher risk than men for a variety of reasons. One is they just have a longer lifespan than men and age is a prominent risk factor, but I don't think it's just about that. And then women are also overrepresented as caregivers for people with the disease. So I think perhaps it's more a feared condition among women than men. Again, just speaking in very broad generalizations here, but those are some of the things I think about in terms of when you talk about gender differences and how people might react to Alzheimer's tests and and options. Looking into the future, do you think it's possible there will be a vaccine or some type of medical care that will eliminate these types of diseases? Unfortunately, I don't see that being kind of on the horizon for the near future. We have made significant strides, but Alzheimer's is a really difficult disease to treat. You know, we went almost 20 years until these more recent medications were approved by FDA between formal approval of medications to treat Alzheimer's disease. And so it's just a very complicated condition to deal with. I think what we might ultimately see, like we've seen with some other conditions that are really tough to treat, we might see kind of a combination of different treatments being brought to bear right now. The drugs that are approved focus on this one symptom in the brain called amyloid plaques that build up as part of the Alzheimer's process. But there's also other things going on in the brain, like tau tangles that can develop in the brain, inflammation. So we might see different medications being developed to be matched to those different processes in the brain. And so if I had to predict, I would say that ultimately we'll probably see kind of a variety, almost like a cocktail approach to different medications in terms of treatment. But I don't think we're going to find something, even the stuff that works now, it's really just slowing the decline as opposed to stopping the disease in its tracks. And I also want to put a plug in here. I'm talking a lot about drugs and medications, but I think also it's important to think about just healthy lifestyle in general, both for cognition and also in terms of mental health. So there's also been some interesting studies that have shown that the things we do to keep healthy in general, like maintain good levels of physical activity, eat a healthy diet, don't smoke, those aren't just good for you know treating risk of heart disease or cancer, but they also seem to be important in reducing risk of dementia as well. Is there a factual basis to the fact that it seems like in modern times there's much more prevalent cognitive declines happening than back in you know the 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s? Is that really the case or is it just an awareness factor is greater now? Yeah, I think there is greater awareness. And so what used to be called, you know, oh, people are just getting senile or you hear these in older days, oh, the hardening of the arteries was this non-medical term. So I think there is greater awareness, but I think, you know, people are living longer and living healthier for the most part. And so I think that increased age span of the population factors in, given that age is the most important risk factor for Alzheimer's and other dementias. Scott Roberts, PhD from the University of Michigan School of Public Health and the University of Michigan Institute for Healthcare Policy and Innovation. Thank you so much for joining us. This is fascinating research. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Appreciate it. You're listening to InfoTrack, a production of Syndication Networks of Chicago.